you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Thompson Pinder. A couple weeks ago, I made a boo-boo and had not recorded an episode for the Author to Authority Podcast, which I thought I had. In reality, I had misnumbered an episode, which caused a gap. During that process, I decided to pull a From the Vault episode with myself and my previous co-host and best friend of more than 30 years, Juanita Witten Radko. And as I was going through some of our episodes, I realized there was such rich information in there. Information that even though it was recorded a few years ago, is still good for you now and is going to help you to move your business forward. So I decided for the rest of June... I'm going to feature some of the best of Kim and Juanita's episodes talking about all things authority, marketing, and book publishing. Come July, we will be back to our normal guest episodes three times a week. So I hope you sit back and enjoy these Kim and Juanita from the vault episodes. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I am here with the incredible, amazing, wonderful co-host, Juanita Wooten-Radko. Welcome, my friend. <laughs> Thank you, Kim. Oh, my goodness. I'm blushing. <laughs> I think she likes doing these episodes with me because I just tell her how great she is. <laughs> <laughs> What's not to like about that? <laughs> so today... We want to talk about starting in 2022, your year off strong. And one of the ways that you can do that is by learning how to sell. I was having a conversation on Clubhouse this morning, and we were talking about the fact that if you do not know how to sell, you don't have a business, you have a hobby. Oh, I remember the first time someone said that to me because basically I had a hobby, I wasn't making any money, and I really wanted to punch the person out. Because I'm like, I'm an entrepreneur. It's like, show me the money, honey. And it's like, okay, I can't do that. <laughs> and it's hard, right? Because you you have this great product or you have this great service. You have a desire to, to help people. But if you can't sell that, then you really don't have a business. And, and that is frustrating because most of us do not get into entrepreneurship to sell. I know it sounds really weird, but we don't. Like I know when you had the sewing machine shop, did you did you take over the sewing machine shop because you wanted to sell? My first reason for becoming interested in the business was more for the teaching aspect and potential for designing projects. 
I am really fortunate that Husqvarna had such a strong training program because by the time I was ready to take over the business, I did have a sales mindset at that point. But uh, when I first joined it, joined the business, that was uh, not not what I imagined it to be. Well, you know, I think every entrepreneur's goal is to make money. But we just don't think about, you know, this process or this four letter S word that we have to do to get the money in. It feels like it should somehow be organic. And it's touching on that. If you build it, they will come kind of idea Mm -hmm. a bit. I think there's also there's a great book called The E-Myth. And one of the things I've read that that discusses is how when you're really good at something like baking pies, everybody says, oh, you should own own a pie baking business. You should own a bakery. And the skill set that you have for the business is manufacturing pies, not selling pies. Or running a business. Because running... Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're so right there. And I think that that's one of the traps that we fall into as entrepreneurs is we've got these skills, talents, and abilities, but most times those are not necessarily business building skills, talents, and abilities that we have. Those are things that you have to learn as you go along. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast today, because I wanted to talk about, you know, having those sales conversations that can leads into clients or customers. Now, this works particularly well in high-end products or more of a service-based industries. So not necessarily talking about, you know, having a e-commerce shop or selling products necessarily online. This is more of of the one-to-one touch. So that's why I wanted to have that conversation because, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're especially a professional speaker or coach, a lot of your selling is going to be done in that one-to-one environment. So how do you do it effectively? And so we have five points that we want to talk about today. And we might extend this into two episodes. We'll just see how, how long the conversation goes for here. So... One, maybe two episodes on this, but let me just quickly tell you what those five points are. So, you know, most of your conversation should be about listening. So counterintuitive to how we've been taught how to do things. Two is about asking questions. Three is about providing value. Four is about your body language. And five is about doing test close. So just before we get into it, do you have any thoughts you want to share with us there, Juanita? This is great setup. I think we have a lot to cover here, Kim. I'm looking forward to discussing it. I, I like the way that you've uh, organized it. So I'm just ready to jump in. Okay. So point number one is most of the conversation should be about listening. And, you know, when, when I say that, even in my brain, it's going, no, no, you got to tell people, you got to talk about your products. You got to talk about your services. You know, you've got to, you got to get them to listen. If you just tell them about your products and services, they're going to buy. And again, to me, that that's more like what you were talking about. You know, if you build it, they will come type attitude. And when I was learning how to sell, thankfully, I had one kind of advantage in this area is I'm very relational. 
So I love talking and listening to people in the first place. Now, I have to admit, there have been times in my life I like to talk more than I like to listen. Sorry, my friend. I've done that to you a few times. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that it's an offer. It's a growth. (laughs) It's a place where you've had some growth. Yes. (laughs) I love that. But when I I first started RTI Publishing, I came to realize that the more I listened, the more I sold. And that was tremendous revelation for me. Here's the reason why. You know, we talk about on author to authority podcasts, a lot about authority marketing. One of the easiest ways to position yourself as authority is to give away your right to speak first. When you are so comfortable, and confident in yourself that you can let the other person talk as much as they want and it doesn't bother you. You don't have to say anything. That comes across to the person who is actually speaking and they are kind of like, wow, I'm not sensing any pressure from this person. This person really cares about me. What are some of your thoughts there, Juanita? I really enjoy entering a conversation with someone and learning something that's unique about them. And that's one of the key points of these, this sort of listening is that you need to listen to understand what's going on with this person, find out what they're passionate about, find out where their problems are. Boy, if you ever want to get somebody to open up, ask them what their problem is with X the problem that you already have a solution for. Sometimes you can pave the way with the question. One of my pocket questions when I was talking to customers, potential sewing machine owners would be, what kind of sewing do you like to do? And I might meet someone who's a quilter. And so they say, oh, I love sewing quilts. Or someone would say, well, I don't know. I'm just a beginner. Or occasionally I'd meet someone who says, would say, oh, all kinds, which if I'm being honest, Kim, it's a lie. (laughs) Nobody likes all kinds, really. They They do have some that they like a little bit more and maybe they haven't considered the question a bit. So if you have some questions that help you qualify your customer and understand how you can sort of categorize them, in, in my instance, if someone said they were a quilter, I would show them a different sewing machine than the person who said, I love to sew clothes, or the person who said, well, I just use it when it's an emergency situation and I need to mend my husband's pants. Those are three different types of sewers, and one is more enthusiastic than the other. <laughs> Definitely the one sewing her husband's pants does not want the super duper fancy schmancy. She's like, show me the one that makes it the easiest and I can be done the fastest. Exactly. So you should be prepared for those kinds of questions or those kinds of categories. And as you gather the information from someone, you're going to go, okay, this person needs my plan A solution but it sounds like she could be interested in the silver option or maybe even the gold package might not be a stretch for this particular person. If I dig a little deeper and find out where they see themselves, sometimes you have to 
uncover what somebody is dreaming, not what they tell you about here and now. Yes. You have to think of, you have to go deep enough in your question, in your conversation to do more than just listen to a problem and go, well, here, I know you've got a problem and I've got a hammer. So there, everything is a nail. It's not one size fits all. Well, you know, when you were talking about that, I like how you mentioned about listening to understand. And, you know, you talked about the different sewing machines. So when I came to you, you know, not only did you, because I was mostly going to do clothing, you're like, okay, Kim, yeah, you definitely need a sewing machine, but maybe you also want to consider a serger because a serger is going to make your sewing clothes experience a lot better. And you sold me the serger and I made something on it. I'm like drooling down the side of my mouth. I'm like, I want this machine. Now it took a bit. And my family worked hard and saved up for me and put money down on it for me so that I this serger. So thank you. And even though I'm not sewing clothes right now, actually, it was funny. I was down in my craft area in my basement and my sewing machine and the serger are underneath the table right now. And I kind of looked at them and I went, I haven't sewn in a long time and I haven't surged in a long time. And I was thinking, you know what? Not right now because I got a lot on my plate, but I was thinking, you know, maybe cut out some time this summer just to, you know, make some clothes and and do some things and explore that again. So it was kind of like, Ooh, yeah, I kind of forgot they were there. Right. So maybe it'll be a a summer project when I take some vacation. But, you know, one thing you talked about was, you know, listening to understand. And I think that's really important. Now, we're going to get the more in this in the second point, asking questions. But, you know, one thing you forgot to talk about was the fact that I, I helped Juanita out in her store long before I did RTI Publishing. I helped her out for a while there. And she would also ask what, you know, especially a quilter, what was the most frustrating thing about quilting? Yes. And oh boy, that, <laughs> that question opened up amazing conversation. But Juanita would listen. She would listen for specific things because she generally already knew, you know, what problems quilters have. And that's the thing, you you know, when you're selling, you need to understand what problems are your client customer facing. When I talk to clients about publishing books, there's always, you know, two or three main areas that pretty well everything they talk to me about comes down to. One, they don't know how to write a book. So that includes they don't know who to write to, what to write about, you know, those, all those kinds of things. Second is the time. Mm -hmm. And then third, in terms of hiring someone to do it is the money. So those are the big three. So I know that just about every frustration or problem they have usually comes down to one of those three areas. So that helps me to be able to address it. Now, when people are talking, they may have specific things. You know, we have one client who's dyslexic, right? So that that is a serious issue that we have to deal with to be able to help this person successfully get their book. And, you know, in some ways, this person has disqualified himself because the dyslexia. And we're like, no, that's that's not a problem. Like, you know, that's why we're here. He has incredible skills, knowledge, talents, abilities. But when it comes to physically writing and reading, there's there's some problems that need to be dealt with. So, you know, when you listen, you know, when you listen to understand, and I think, you know, 
One of the things I had written down in our notes is listen to understand, not to respond. Absolutely. Because I think sometimes when we get in sales mode, we're not listening to understand. We're listening to what they're saying so we can try and overcome it and convince them to buy our products and services. Yes, I know I've been guilty of that in the past. I have to. (laughs) Try not to be, though. It's one of those things when you're passionate about the topic, sometimes that is uh, what you can be in danger of doing is that when you hear them say, I'm thinking about getting into sewing, oh, well, I have a great top of the line machine that you might want to buy. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not listening to understand, then you might jump to that without qualifying to that high end sale without properly qualifying your customer mm-hmm. and ending up losing the sale because they're turned off by that steamroller approach. Mm-hmm. And this kind of dovetails in with your next point that you're listening because you truly care about the person and want what's best for them. Going to your top of the line tells the client that they are not your priority your whatever's in their wallet is your priority and you don't really care about what's best for them and that can be a hard realization for a lot of people you know but i empathize we we all want to be able to uh go out for a fancy dinner well that's a bad example right now but we don't like to be able to fill our grocery cart right so (laughs) Renita and i live in ontario canada and as a Yesterday, we are back in lockdown. So no eating. Okay, you can take out, you can deliver, you can go through the drive-thru, but you are not eating in any restaurant right now, at least for the next few weeks as Omicron just kind of wipes through Ontario. You know, something you were saying there when you're talking about being passionate, the other side of that coin is when you're being desperate. Yes. You know, because you desperately need that money. And so you're trying to you know, listen to respond to try and overcome objections so that you can get the sale. So, you know, that that's the other side of the coin, which we're going to talk about a little bit more in, in number four, which is body language. So the last point that we want to talk about here, and I think we'll probably only maybe get through one and two, Anita, I suspect this is going to be a two-parter today. Ah, uh, well, you know, that <laughs> never happens with us, does it? No, oh, never. <laughs> But the last point that I had sent to Juanita for today was listen to determine if you want to work with this person. So important. I, Mike, I have a question from this. How can, how do you tell? I have my own thoughts on how I could tell, but how do you know whether you want to work for, with this person? This is, this is where desperation sometimes makes you deaf to or blind to red flag things. So I almost feel like that could be its own little podcast is some red. (laughs) How about we put a pin in this red flags, (laughs) client red flags for potential clients that will be potential headaches. We'll have to think on the workshop that title a bit better, but yeah. Well, let's throw out a few ideas now and maybe we'll, we'll do that as an episode for the end of February, beginning of March. So there's things that you can listen for. First of all, morally or ethically. So I'll give you an example. You know, as as a godly person, there's certain topics that I would not want to write about or glorify. You know, to me, 
glorifying killing people is not something I want to represent. Glorifying racism or genderism or, you know, any of those things is not something that I, I want to represent. So if I'm talking to a person, I'm asking about their story, you know, what would they potentially want to write about? You know, I had a situation a couple of years ago where a gentleman was a lawyer and he had represented people, you know, who had killed, you know, who were heavily into the drug sexual trade scene. And he wanted to write about how he defended these people and got them off. Now, don't get me wrong. I think, you know, under our legal system, everybody has the right to representation. So that that's not what I'm talking about here. But it was the way that he was talking about it and how he glorified the fact that he was trying to change the the laws so that these people could do bad things and get away with them. Yeah, that's uh, definitely, I'm glad you dodged that. We dodged that bullet there (laughs) with, with something like that. One of the ethical issues that I'd often notice would be every year without fail around Christmas, I'd get two or three husbands who suddenly had a brainwave that this would be the year they'd buy their wife a sewing machine. And they always wanted to do to knock off the um, sales tax. What can you do if I give you cash? What price can you pay me? I'm like, this is the price. Because the government will come after me if I'm not charging the sales tax that I'm supposed to, and you'll be gone and I will not ever, (laughs) it'll be a much bigger headache for me than it will for you. And sometimes I lost a potential sale from that, but I did not incur the headache of trying to do that because the, the clients who want to do that to you sort of under the table, it always seems to snowball. Like, you know, well, you did this for me the last time. Why can't you do this? Yeah. You know, it's never just one. So we talked about ethical, but here, here's sort of that other side of the coin that you're kind of talking about there is, you know, when you're having these sales conversations and you start to discuss things, you know, is the client already trying to add things in that are not part of your package and they want it for free, right? Yes, you remember free. we had that one massively headache client who, you know, every time we turned around, wanted more stuff for free. Yes, I remember that. And you and I were stressed out to the gills, (laughs) you know, because she wanted everything better and faster. Um, She wanted herself to be the priority at the absolute lowest price. Mm -hmm. And it actually got to the point we got about what I think 95, 96% of the project done and we just couldn't take it anymore. We got her to a point where she could finish everything off herself. And we finally said, that's it. We're done. We're firing yeah. you because the the stress that you and I were under wasn't worth wasn't no, worth it. No. So, you know, you want clients. Now, don't get me wrong, it's okay to throw in a freebie or something to your clients, but when they already starting to kind of, you know, tell you that they want more for less, that's going to be going on all the way through. And when you say no to them, then they get very angry, snippety. Yeah, that those are those are the bad boyfriend, bad girlfriend kind of <laughs> kind of clients. You can't judge somebody by their relationship status, but I'm just going to say here's a thought that you, you maybe want to think about 
how they interact in relationships Mm -hmm. and whether they're trying to always seek an advantage. It's built in. They're going to always be seeking an advantage with you and they're not caring about a win-win situation. Yeah. So I was thinking maybe we should move along. Any other reasons why we might not want to work with this person? Again, this is kind of related to the scope Mm -hmm. creep is that you might not want to work with someone who has a poor understanding of what your capabilities are. Mm -hmm. And that can turn into scope creep. It can also lead to you over promising when they say, well, I want to book, but I'd also like it to be, I'd, I'd like to have it be a coffee table book, a picture book. And we start off from a place of, okay, we can do this and this and this. And if, especially if we've begun a process and then halfway through, they come up with an idea of, well, why don't we turn it into this or this? this. They're changing the project concept on a on a very large level and if you have had this thing of scope creep a little bit a little bit all the way through you start off being able to do things and then they've asked they get to the point where they ask for something that is out of your skill set yeah we don't have professional photographers on staff to do like glam shots of your little angora sweaters that you knitted out of your cat's fur you know (laughs) that would be a very niche book anyway also an itchy kind of sweater i think anyhow (laughs) well and i think too like you know when you're having this sales conversation so i'll give you an example i was talking to someone yesterday who we are potentially going to collaborate with and we were talking about the you know the book publishing process and he's like you know what's your normal time range i'm like nine to twelve months then depending on the client, you know, sometimes it's gone up to 18 months, right? Because a lot of it's on the client side. And he's like, well, could you get a book done in four months? And I said, no. And he's like, you can't? Nope. Those are not the type of books we do. We do high quality books. We are not slapping something together in four months just so a person can be name themselves an author. Those are not the kind of books we do. Now, are there people who can slap a book together in four months? Sure. We're just not one of them, nor will we be one of them. <laughs> that that makes me think of the idea of, well, can't you do it faster? Well, you can microwave a pizza pocket in like two minutes or less. <laughs> or you could have a meal, which takes 45 minutes to an hour to prepare. Which yeah. one is more satisfying, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. So, I mean, that's something else too, you know, it's not just even the scope creep, but the timeline, you know, if you've clearly spelled out the timeline and before you've even sold the person on it, they're trying to push you into, you know, doing something. So if your process takes nine months to a year, like ours does to create a quality product and, you know, someone's pushing, well, can you do it in six? Can you do it in seven? You know, and it, No, you know, and I'm not going to say yes, just so we could get a client in because that whole process is going to be rushed. It's going to be hurried. Mistakes are going to be made. The client's going to be frustrated. Then we're going to be frustrated. I'm going to be stressed out. And then you're going to be looking at me going, Kim, you're stressing me out. 
<laughs> right? So, yeah. uh, you know, even from the beginning, if someone's constantly pushing, like if you're in the sales process and they're constantly pushing, pushing about timeline, pushing about quality, pushing about things, then that's a big red flag to me about whether I want to work with someone or not. Because if they're doing this before we even get into the process, it's only become, become more once they send me money. Absolutely. And as you were saying that, it made me think of, I believe it's the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. They're going to be the 20 percenter who gives you 80% of your headache. And what I found with clients like that, especially with the timeline thing, would be that they'd be enough of a headache, enough of a pain that you think, okay, well, fine. I'll slide my loyal customer who doesn't hassle me. I'll move them down a rung because I can get rid of Mrs. Toothache faster if I just get her out, out of my hair. And so that's a danger thing of your better customers can suffer because of a client like this. I definitely think we might want to expand on this thought into another one, because that's one of those things that uh, really it's important costs you a great deal down the road. If you end up damaging your relationship with one of your loyal customers, clients, customers. (laughs) True. Okay. Well, we are actually kind of a little over our time here. So don't want to, um, go too too much longer but you're right let's let's put that in the books when you since you're the planner note taker can you make a note that that will be our topic for our next series of podcast one or two we'll see how the discussion goes so i'm going to close this down here but come back for our next episode together because we are going to co- try to cover we only covered one out of five today <laughs> so let's see Juanita, if we cover the other well, at least two <laughs> in the next podcast. So this might turn out to be a little bit longer series than what we thought. But anyway, this has been Kim Thompson-Pinder and Juanita Wooden-Radko on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.